I've set myself the impossible task of explaining the utterly intoxicating nature of the Northern Soul scene without being able to use any of the music. Come with me on a journey to 1960s Britain as I try to capture the young, wild and free essence of a night at Wigan Casino with nothing more than a bit of talc and new sound and some dancing shoes. As per usual in modern British history, in the 1960s, there was a class war going on. Several groups of the youths in the North from different subcultures clashed over music, fashion and views while their country scraped by around them. Mods, rockers, hippies, skinheads, beatniks and soulies. Today, we're going to be focusing on one particular group and how their need for something new and different crafted an underground scene still going strong today. The Soulies. Lads in tank tops and baggy trousers, lasses in capris and polos, would line the pavements of pioneering clubs like Wigan Casino. They'd been practicing their moves in their bedrooms, learning the rhythms and words to records most had never heard. At the centre of it all, the music. With contemporary black music evolving into what would eventually become known as funk, the die-hard soul lovers of Northern England still preferred the mid-60s era of Motown-sounding black American dance music. Godin, as described in Mojo magazine. I had started to notice that the Northern football fans, who were in London to follow their team, were coming into the store to buy records, but they weren't interested in the latest developments in the black American chart. I devised the name as a shorthand sales term. It was just to say, if you've got customers from the North, don't waste time playing them records currently in US black chart, just play them something like Northern Soul. Notable DJs from the Midlands and beyond caught onto the trend and were soon making pilgrimages to the motherland, the USA, and seeking out the rarest of unsigned soul artists. The more obscure, the better. Many DJs took to removing labels and keeping their records a secret so none of their competitors could replicate their sets. And the Soulies? They arrived in droves with bowling bags, brogues and talcum powder for the all-nighter of their dreams. Amphetamines fueled the dancers who would end up stripped down to singlets. The longer the scene went, the more athletic the moves became. Spins, high kicks and breakdance style tricks would be performed in time to soul beat after soul beat. No one was going anywhere before the sun came up. These days, some of those early underground recordings go for upwards of $1,000. The northern soul scene has kept its prominence and spread. Most notably to Asia, where a strong crowd emerged for many an event rocking their own Fred Perry's Parkers and mirrored Dunning scooters. While the old dance halls of the 60s and 70s are long gone, weekenders have found new homes and a new crowd. The kids and grandkids of the original mods and solis, some completely new to the scene, find themselves in good company. These days, the movement has found its place in pop culture. The music video for John Newman's smash hit Love Me Again took place in a dance hall. And of course, many films have appeared through the 2000s, basking in the simplicity and passion that soul music brings to those who connect with the sounds and their origins. Now I introduce you to my favourite soul queen, DJ Honey. Miss Honey stole my heart when she spun some of my favourite tunes every Friday and Saturday night at my favourite dive bar in Brisbane. We have been sisters ever since. Now residing in Singapore with a strong following of soul music lovers herself, 
she is one of the most successful DJs in the biz, and most definitely a lady boss, carving her way through yet another typically male-dominated field. With her signature beehive, stunning vintage wardrobe, and swinging moves, she is the epitome of a solely. Cool, smooth, and damn good to look at. Welcome to Loon Life. Singapore. <laughs> Hello. How's the weather? Uh, always hot and steamy. Just like you. Oh, yeah, I know. I, f- I fit into my environment. <laughs> so, my darling honey, how did you get your start in the DJ biz? Well, um, I had been attending Soul Nights for quite a while, since I was 17, early 18. So by the time I started DJing, five years ago now, Mm. uh, I had already made quite a lot of really close friends within the scene. And my very first, my two very first gigs were with a Melbourne collective called Southside Soul, ran by my good friends, DJ Lady Soul and Big Daddy Warbucks. And the second of those two was a fundraiser for NGO Safe Steps, helping survivors of domestic violence. So that was quite, yeah, important to me and was Mm. really special. So friends had found out that I had some records and had asked me previously to DJ, but I never comprehended anyone would be that interested in listening to the records that I'd just been listening to in my lounge room, you know, that private sanctuary where you can just do your own thing. With a G&T. Yes, always. (laughs) And... um, also, there's such a huge pool of DJs and collectors to choose from in Melbourne in particular. So cut forward a year after I started getting asked and I had just survived a really volatile, dangerous, abusive relationship. Mm. So after that had ended, I thought and I believed it was time for me to take my life back, to live my dreams to do, fulfill all the little and big things that I'd wanted to do in life. Girl power. Yes, it was, it was quite like empowering actually, yeah. yeah. And so one of those things was to DJ, so I did. And then like I said, the very second gig I was offered was that fundraiser. So it was really poignant for me to be DJing at such a yeah. like important organization. Quite full circle. Yeah, yeah. So, and then since then, uh, it just hasn't stopped. My very next gig after that was New Year's Eve with Vince Peach at Cherry Bar. Ah, Vince, a big name in the Australian soul scene for those who aren't familiar. Yes, yes, go look him up and he has a show every Wednesday on PBS coming out of Melbourne. Mm. And so that was just an amazing opportunity as well. And then the rest is history. I haven't stopped DJing since. I love it. I think that's the, the beauty of the soul scene as well, as, especially with you and I. Like, we're younger girls and we certainly like to dress up. And everyone is just so beautiful and welcoming, even though they're 
mostly our dad's age. Uh, <laughs> it's so easy to make such beautiful friends just bonding over the music. I feel like it's hard to find that community in other places sometimes. Yeah, well, in in the northern soul scene, as it would be in any scene, I suppose, mm. there's human nature and there's different political beliefs and different mm. um, religious beliefs and everything. But I like to believe, and the majority of the time, you do see that the music overpowers all of that, and everyone comes together for a common, common cause. Love. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, common love. Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah, the magic, magic of music. Yeah, definitely. When did you first fall in love with soul music? Um, when I was about ten years old, I went to an op shop with my mum, and I bought with my pocket money, a Dusty Springfield LP and an Elvis Presley LP and just fell in love. That just opened my world up to so much more music. Elvis opened my world up to an era ranging from the 50s through to the 70s and he also introduced me to rhythm and blues because he and rock and roll because he was very much influenced by those two genres and then Dusty Springfield, I just loved her style and then she opened me up to Motown and because she would invite a lot of the Motown artists over or do cover a lot of their songs and through Motown that opened me my eyes up and my world up to civil rights movement, 60s flower power, politics, all sorts of things and so from then on it just like grew and grew and grew. So we've talked about Melbourne and when you refer to where you grew up are you talking about WA? Uh, yes. Yes, 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 I suppose. But yes. you were born in the UK, like me. Yes, we were both born in the UK. Um, and I moved over here when I was eight and mm. uh, over to Australia, sorry. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so grew up there and our household always had a lot of music playing. Um, but unlike other children growing up where a musical tastes were really influenced by their parents. Mine weren't necessarily. We didn't really listen to much 60s music, mm. but they definitely had it in their library. So once I started asking about music and about Elvis and Motown and um, Dusty Springfield and therefore lots of other 60s English music, uh, they had it all there for me to listen to and learn from. And there were a few hit and misses along the way, but... Um, but eventually, my dad actually gave me um, a Northern Soul CD. And so I was listening to it for a few years and I was like, yes, this is the music I love. And um, I was listening to it for a few years and then I just happened to stumble across a night one time at one of the local pubs. And where was that? Where were you living at the time? I was living south of Perth in Mandra down where I currently am. <laughs> yes. I love it. How did you find Perth in general when it came to the soul scene back then? Because you've moved around Australia quite a bit. Would you say that the scene mm -hmm. is growing? Oh, the scene is definitely growing. Um, whether or not the originals like it or not, <laughs> it's growing and there's no, no stopping it. So, you know, it's changed a lot over the last... 15 years that I've been involved in it and at the beginning it was just the original old people <laughs> there yeah <laughs> older yeah. I say older um that had been you know 
at Wigan and Twisted Wheel in the UK in the early in the original days. But now there's so many more young people, and quite often around the world, especially mm. young people outnumber the older people by far. Yeah. And it's just really it's it's been really great because obviously when I first got into it, I was kind of indoctrinated yeah. <laughs> with the the classics yeah. and which which are amazing but now like it's so incredible to see younger people coming in and introducing their flavor to it to the sounds and their flavor to the record collecting and it's just amazing it just keeps getting better and better in my opinion yeah definitely it's becoming so diverse again I feel like it kind of became a bit yeah. of a boys club like a lot of scenes do when you've got the originals yeah. who are set in their ways yeah. and they know what they're doing but especially like for me um, and how I mentioned in the intro like my my introduction to Northern Soul as it stands was watching John Newman's music video for Love Me Again and I just uh, saw yeah. all these like good-looking young people doing this incredible dancing to music that I really enjoyed so I was like quite interested and I remember my mum saying oh that's that's Northern Soul mm. and then I started doing my research and then I realized there were gigs around town in Perth and it kind of grew from there. But like you say, we've got this new young scene coming in. Like I've seen documentaries lately about how much it's growing in the UK, which is exciting. So there is like a whole younger generation of people that are going to their own events and overnighters and yeah. doing their thing. Yeah. Doing the twists that the old boys can't do anymore. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. You see you see such the, the um, generation gap between yeah. the, old, the older guys that used to be able to do those moves and then the younger guys that are just nailing those moves and like you say like from that video clip it's such a they have such the scene the northern soul scene has such a great aesthetic in everyone yeah. just looks well i don't i don't know obviously other tastes are not going to feel the same way as me but we think they look cool they look so cool sharp <laughs> And then obviously the moves are just so impressive. Athletic, that's yeah. the thing. Like it's kind of almost got that breakdancing element to it that, that came in in the 70s and yeah, that's kind of stayed with it. I often think the same thing. Like you can really see how obviously post-soul there was funk and then that led to house and hip-hop. And you can really see how like those moves can easily just mm. um, flow from one uh, era to the next. Yeah, it's that beauty of infusion. That's where all the good stuff starts, isn't it? Mm, yes, yes. Which comes from diversity yeah, and inclusion. Yeah, definitely. Which is always a bit strange when you go to a gig here in WA, for example, and everyone's an old white man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Bring on the new breeds. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the soul scene in Asia compared to the UK and Australia? The difference is huge. As we were saying, in Australia and the UK, it's still very much under the control or guidance of the original Northern Soulers who, you know, aren't necessarily as open-minded to new tastes and people and differences. But in Asia, it's just, it's, I guess it's because it's such a young scene here still that they're just really open to embracing yeah. anything and everything to do with the scene. You know, when you're, you're just like new to something and you're just like a sponge soaking everything up, everything about it yeah. in. And also being a DJ over here has been an incredibly different. 
In Australia, my experience of DJing was filled with a lot of sexism yeah. and a lot of exclusivity and I, I wasn't as welcomed as easily. And then, mm. and I really had to fight for my right to DJ and, you know, really kind of like defend myself and the reason why I was had been hired for each particular gig or whatever. Whereas here, I get asked to DJ not because I'm a token female DJ, mm. uh, I get hired based purely on merit. I'm billed alongside some of the best mod and soul DJs in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And my gender doesn't ever come up in conversation. I'm just there as a DJ with a great record collection. Yeah, 100%. And it's just extremely refreshing and it allows me to just get on with my job and do it well and enjoy it so that everyone else can enjoy it rather than having to deal with, you know, defending myself all the time. That's probably the biggest thing when it came to falling in love with what you do is when I used to walk into Sunny's House of Blues on a Friday or a Saturday night and you come straight on after the band and it was your aesthetic. It was the fact that you you rocked the look, but you, you grooved to the music, you were loving what you were doing, you were playing like beautiful songs that I hadn't heard before and then, you know, sprinkle a couple that I knew that were proper soul classics. and. You know, I loved how like loose and free you were up there. Mm -hmm. You were so inviting that it became easy to get up and dance with you. Mm -hmm. And I used to love standing in front of a DJ booth and us having a boogie together, even though we didn't know each other back then. <laughs> and I feel like that's something that you have that a lot of the other soul DJs, especially the older ones who've been around a long time, they might have an expensive record collection, but it's not about that anymore. People want to be invited to the dance floor. You want to feel a part of the soul. Exactly. So... Yes, yeah. And and also I know myself when I go out, I do I want to have a good time and I want everyone around me to be having a good time. I don't want to be surrounded by people looking miserable. Yeah. Um and you know, and even like with the rare soul term mm. which I really dislike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I find it very pretentious. But you know, all these people that have the rare soul records, one that doesn't mean they're good because they weren't popular that's why mm. there's not many of them <laughs> and two who cares yeah when I go out I want to enjoy myself I don't want to if I want to listen to your record collection I'll come around to your house or something and whatever I, yeah. when I'm out partying and everyone else that I know partying they just want to have fun yeah and that's what it's about yeah definitely and by rare soul you're referring to um like I mentioned earlier the expensive records that were hard to find where people would go over to America on a pilgrimage back in the 60s and 70s and they would dig for weeks and weeks to try and find like the most underground unheard soul records and yes I remember there was a bit of a thing where they would scratch the names off the records so no one could go and yes. find the same one a cover-up yeah 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 <laughs> wild yeah, and some of those are worth thousands even though like you say they might not be the best record in the world but no and granted a lot of the expensive ones are are good oh, yeah. Um, yeah and but also back then you know it was a, a genre that had hardly even been unearthed or discovered so there were just mm. zillions of records out there so it wasn't even necessarily rare soul back then because nobody didn't even knew how many there were mm. classics are classics expensive records yes there are many expensive records and there's a great meme that says something along the lines of get your kids to start record collecting because then they'll never have money for drugs. 
<laughs> that is amazing. And it's so true. Once you start record collecting, you never have any money. <laughs> You're always <laughs> buying more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just never forget. There was a gig I was at um, with you and one of our DJ friends came over to me and he, the dance floor was packed at that point and he goes, she just played a record that is worth a dollar or something like that. And I just was so blown away that that was a thing that someone would even comment on. I was like... Are yeah. you referring to the dance floor being packed and it, you know, not being about the money or are you making a dick? Like, I'm not quite sure what that yeah. meant, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, yes. everyone else is having a good time. <laughs> exactly. And quite often I'm hired to be a DJ to entertain people. I'm an entertainer. Yeah. I'm not some highbrow record collector in those, <laughs> in those circumstances. Mm. And I actually, I take that as a compliment because I love playing one dollar records and i'm very proud i'll tell everyone that it's cost one dollar because then it invites yeah. people to not be deterred to start collecting records that's it whenever you start mentioning collecting soul or northern soul records everyone starts talking about the really big big expensive records and sure there are many of those but mm. there are so many two dollar records that you can pick up and create great sets that yeah are party vibes and so yeah I like I like bragging about the two dollar records. Yeah, definitely. Especially just being a fan. I don't have a clue. Like <laughs> I don't care how much a record costs. You could pay me a whole set of fifty cent records and I'd enjoy it, I'm sure. Exactly. And that's what so many people say, like on the other side, like on the audience side, they don't know how much they don't care. They just yeah. wanna have fun. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So is that what you would say has been the hardest part of being a soul DJ? The the funny attitudes? Yes, <laughs> but I would say that it's it's not just being a soul DJ. I think it's being a, a DJ, a female DJ within a male-dominated industry. And mm. I think this ex- would extend to sound engineers, lighting crew, stage crew, uh, yeah. any anyone within the music industry or other male-dominated industries is just dealing with the sexism, which is yeah. rife. There are countless times when I have arrived at a gig and the bar staff, the sound guy, patrons, even the manager has asked me, oh, what time is your boyfriend playing? (laughs) Whether or not they know I have a boyfriend or anything, you know, they've just assumed that it can't possibly be me. I've had people come over to me while I'm DJing asking if they were, again, my boyfriend's records. Whether or not they knew I had a boyfriend again. Um, Then I've had men and it unfortunately it's always men Mm. come over to my equipment and start messing around with it Mm. stopping the music entirely breaking my equipment and I think I'm not alone I think a lot of females experience female DJs experience this it's important but we talk about it yes I know I think it is getting better definitely but slowly Um, yeah and like I said since moving over to Southeast Asia I haven't experience that whatsoever that's amazing yes and isn't it funny that it's such a stereotype that people assume that in asian culture Mm. women aren't seen as equal but Mm -hmm. oh it's definitely rife at home and i love the fact that you're in such a a beautiful country like singapore that is so forward-thinking so it's good that you're surrounded by people who 
you know, support your craft. And like you said, it's not about your gender, it's about your skill. Yeah, yeah, and it's just been really refreshing. And like you say, try and explain this to a lot of white Westerners and they wouldn't believe it. Where would you say is your favourite place to DJ at the moment? At the moment, um, well, my favourite gig I have done so far in my life Mm would have been Japan, at Nude Restaurant in Japan. That was just incredible. Outside of the UK, it's the strongest northern soul scene in the world, which again is quite unexpected. And also when the Japanese get into something, they get into it hardcore. So yeah, it was just incredible. So the event started at 7.30 and by 8 p.m. the dance floor was full until the end of the night. Everyone was dressed impeccably. The dance moves were incredible, better than any film clip I've ever seen in my life. Um, And just the energy in that room was just electrifying. I I just couldn't get over the energy in the room. I mean, I've been to other packed Northern Soul dance floors and it's, it's, of course, you've got that many people moving around and enjoying the music. It's, it still has energy. But the night in Japan was just out of this world. I can't even, yeah, it was magic. Oh, my God, adding it to the bucket list as we speak. Yeah. And even talking about um, how pop culture is bringing it back around and it's getting more popular as well. Like when Five Seconds of Summer brought out their music video to Youngblood. And that is basically just them filming some of the young rock and rollers in Japan. And straight away when I saw it, I was like madly in love as we can tell I'm a sucker for a music video introducing me to something new <laughs> and I imagine that's what it was like like everyone being dressed to the nines just completely embodying what soul is all about which is being fucking cool looking yeah and dancing and and just being one with the music it's not even about connecting with other people with soul it's it's just about being in that moment with the with the track I feel absolutely and that's another thing mm. that really encourages even back in the old days women to attend northern soul nights because they could go to the northern soul nights and still can and you don't get rubbed up against or hit on by men on the dance floor you can just be in your own zone and do whatever you want and completely lose yourself to the music so you don't even have to have your wits about you and you just know that you're not going to get hit on and it's that again is really freeing It's pretty much unspeakable these days, but it's a beautiful... I feel like people listening won't believe us, but it's true. That's why I keep going to the soul gigs. Yeah. When can you go to a gig full of, you know, men who are 10 years older than you, you being the young girl with the little dress on and and not have anyone say something to you? It's actually really cool in that way. And especially for, like, music nerds like us and fans Mm. where we just want to just like hear the music and listen to the music learn about the music feel the music watch people dance watch people dance yeah Yeah, you don't you don't have to be interrupted by douchebags (laughs) (laughs) so true my god i love it so who's your favorite artist of all time um of all time this is such a tricky question Mm. um so well, my, I'm going to say a few. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> my all-time favourite singer is actually Judy Garland. Oh, which, um, I love. Which is nothing to do with soul, but she was the first singer that I really loved and listened to, and I still do. Her voice I, is just my favourite voice on the planet. Yeah. 
that has ever existed. And then I have to also say Elvis Presley because yes. I fell in. He was like my first love, and I still love him. And the older I get. The older versions of Elvis, I start falling in love with. <laughs> so obviously, when I was young, I was loving his fifties teddy boy look, and then mm. now I'm, I'm into fat Vegas Elvis. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you wouldn't say no, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> uh, and then um, when we start talking about sixties soul and female artists, I have to say Barbara Lynn. She was a rhythm and blues artist, but she wrote a lot of her own songs, her own music, and played guitar, standing next to, standing on the stage, as equal, right next to like some of the guitar legends of the time. Yeah. And she's still playing rhythm and blues today, and it's just, I just think that's such an incredible, an incredible feat for a woman. She found her calling. Yeah. And then my other favorite artist is Barbara Dane, and she is a jazz and blues singer from the 60s and again still performing today. But more so than that, she is a socialist. Oh, and, bring um, it on. Yes, spent her life on the picket lines performing and writing protest songs and recording them and just like sharing that message, which again is like such a strong thing for a woman to do. Mm. And st- and stick with it, be really true to herself throughout all of these decades. Yeah, we've got some true icons in the soul music scene in Riven and Blues, that's for sure. Yes, definitely. Mine has always been Edda James. Willem will always be love of my life, Edda James. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> well, another like really formidable woman who went through incredibly traumatic and troubling times. Mm and continued performing these um, and recording these amazing soulful records. That's it, up there with the big boys. Mm. A pioneer. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we've definitely got some amazing women to look up to. Do you ever see yourself moving back to Australia? Uh, Potentially, one day. But right now there's just so much world to see and so little time. So I'm going to keep on keeping on and seeing where this amazing journey takes me next definitely i mean it sounds like you're having an amazing time in southeast asia and they're appreciating you as much as they should so yeah what gigs have you got coming up now well i have a few this weekend coming up that it's the march of the mods event for singapore coming up Mm. this weekend and there's an event on the night before and so i'll be djing at that which is kind of like a private party with all of the indonesian malaysian and singaporean mods coming over for the event and then the following day i have a gig at sentosa island which is this beautiful beach island just the south southern tip of singapore so that's going to be something special it looks like some kind of american movie Mm. Oh, it's just amazing. So I'll be taking lots of pictures of that. And then also Record Store Day is coming up in April. And there's a Fred Perry-sponsored event occurring. So I'll be DJing at that. And next month, I'll also be traveling over to Kuala Lumpur for their March of the Mods event. You travel to Kuala Lumpur quite a bit, don't you? Yes, yeah. The Malaysian mods have really embraced me and made me feel like I'm part of the family over there so it's really nice I love it have you got any plans to travel back to Japan this year yes hopefully at the end of the year sometime I'm coming with you (laughs) oh yes you've sold it 
You've sold it. It's oh happening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So they have a they have a monthly Northern Soul event. So it's at the last Saturday of every month. So we'll definitely tee up a weekend over there. Oh my god, a hundred percent. Especially now we've got direct flights from Perth. Oh, perfect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's amazing. So tell me about your radio show. So you have got a radio show that you run online that people can listen to at any time, yeah? Yes. So I have two shows at the moment. One is my Kiss Kiss Bang Bang show, which I started in Brisbane on 4ZZZ FM. And then since leaving Brisbane, I've distributed it online on Mixcloud. And it's all female-fronted groups and artists from the 50s through to the 70s, spinning R&B, pop and soul music. So just really highlighting the hip shakers of the era. And then I also have a show on Soho Radio called Girls in the Groove, which I just started last year. And it's very much similar vibe. Female artists... Both of those shows are all spun on original vinyl 45s mm. as well. Amazing. Mm. <laughs> I will definitely put links to those so everyone can check you out in the show notes because it's one of my favourite things to do is pop on one of your shows when it gets released. So, And I have been trying to share the links as well on Harley Q, so I will continue to do that so that you guys can tune in as well. Yes, well, thank you very much for that. It would be great to have more people on the, on the Soul Train. And you can also follow me on Instagram at dj.honey.vinyl45s. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, my darling love. I can't wait to see you again. Can't wait to listen to you, though. At least I can feel like I'm a little bit closer listening to your radio show. (laughs) Yes, and I want to say thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be on your podcast. I'm so proud of you, and I know how much effort and hard work goes into shows, and I just want to say thank you very much for having me as a guest. I adore you. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for giving me my first uh, radio gig when I got to be on your amazing show back when we lived in Brisbane together as well. Well, we are stronger together. (laughs) I love it. Girl power. If we have talked about anything today that has piqued your interest at all, I would definitely first recommend checking out John Newman's music video for Love Me Again if you would like to see a little sample of some amazing Northern Soul dancers. If you want to delve a little bit deeper, the film Soul Boy, which stars Alfie Allen, Lily Allen's brother, and of course uh, Theon Greyjoy out of Game of Thrones in one of his early roles. It's a classic British film. It's very cute and very funny and it has a really amazing soundtrack. There's also a Facebook group called Northern Soul Australia where you can track nearby events in your city and maybe I'll catch you at a gig sometime. Thanks for listening.